0: You are listening to CFRC 1019 FM here in Kingston and welcome to Screening in Kingston.
1: Listeners, this is Taylor, and I'm on my own. Well, I'm not technically on my own today. I do have a special guest host, but I am without Mike. He's taking a little bit of a a leave from the show. Um, He should be back next week, but uh, I apologize in advance. Um, I'm responsible for tech, which means we'll probably have some microphone issues. My apologies. But for people who like to know the behind the scenes of the show, now you know. So I am joined today by Matt Salton, the Executive Director of Reel Out. Welcome.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Um, And today we're going to talk about some movies. Cool?
0: I love talking about movies. Let's do that.
1: Okay, wonderful. So uh, first we're going to start with our regular fan comments and questions, kind of our regular situation you are more than welcome to answer these questions
0: okay I'll see if I'm qualified but yeah
1: I think I think you will you'll find that they're very subjective okay (laughs) they're not they're not hard at hitting sometimes they are (laughs) but uh today they're kind of just fun so our first question comes from Nicole who's actually my best friend didn't know that she was writing in this was (laughs) kind of exciting for me
0: it's nice when you have best friends who are also fans of the show
1: yes Yeah. yeah and she's an actress in Toronto so she's very interested in this kind of stuff so she writes "Hi, screening in kingston humans firstly the fact that you know an actor who claims that halloween is demeaning towards actors whoa easy there tiger that's from a episode a long time ago but essentially there was an actor who told mike that he thought halloween was demeaning towards actors and we had a good discussion about that the
0: film or the the holiday the holiday okay (laughs) any (laughs) comments um false
1: a lot to unpack <laughs> Nicole writes, secondly if you have a chance to portray a character or characters cast yourself in a film that has already been produced what characters would you choose and why for example I would love to have been in any movie it would probably have been Dottie Hinson in a league of their own because Madonna and women playing baseball in the 1940s or Joan Cusack in 16 candles and I don't even feel like I need to explain why if you knew Nicole, that would make sense. <laughs> Thanks, and keep up the awesome chats. So, Matt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can reread if you need.
0: Okay, hmm. that's a that's a first of all, that's a fantastic question. Yeah, um, and I know that growing up uh, as a little queer kid, um, I often when I watch films on video. I would often watch them multiple times and pretend that I was that character. So like I've I've definitely cast myself in my imagination in quite a few of these films from from uh, from Luke Skywalker to Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Never the scarecrow, (laughs) never the Tin Man, never the lion, but Dorothy. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you have a
1: I would be um, Scarlett O'Hara, Vivian Lee's Scarlett O'Hara. Or Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra.
0: Oh, yeah. Those are my
1: two top picks. Any, any movie where I get to wear beautiful costumes and be surrounded by beautiful men, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm with you on that one. So I, I will, for that same reason, I would cast myself in Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, role in Scarface.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, beautiful, but if I had her body. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wouldn't even care. I'm like, yeah, a suspension of disbelief audience. I am I am Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface.
1: Beautiful, beautiful 1970s disco gowns. Yes. Oh my gosh, and her yeah. haircut. Yes. And you know, with that also her portrayal of Catwoman would oh, also yeah. be fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um Michelle Pfeiffer pretty much in anything. Grease 2. It's like one of my favorite bad movies of all time. She's just like, she's just, a, she's sex personified.
1: I know she is quite the quite. I'm well,
0: But I also like the Joan uh, Cusack uh, reference from 16 with Candles the with gear. the headgear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also Joan Cusack in pretty much anything as well. Yeah, I mean, she's fun. She is. It's like she, she seems to have this like uncanny ability to be cast in everything she's in. She's great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's talented. All right, so our next question is from Kristen. She says, hi, Taylor and Mike, but also hi, Matt. Um, Really enjoying the show and hearing all the great stories you both bring to the table. Do either of you have a crazy movie story, something weird happening in the theater or a really awkward situation? Something like the story about seeing The Room when meaning to see Room. Thank you for the amazing (laughs) podcast and keep it up. So, again, one of our (laughs) listeners wrote in about how they wanted to go see The Room or they wanted to see room Uh but then they ended up seeing the room and she was very confused
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no kidding
1: yeah that's that's quite the mix
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: i don't i don't have too many crazy i think one time nicole the my best friend who wrote in um her dad ted and i went to go see house of wax with paris hilton Mm -hmm. and we saw like it was, like, a matinee. It might have even been, like, a weekday, like, really random time. We were the only people in the theater, plus, like, a middle-aged man, like, sitting by himself. And we just thought, you know, when you're, like, 13, that kind of creeps you out. Like, that would be my only, yeah. like, weird movie story. Just, like, kind of random people going to movies that... I don't know. Yeah. That's I don't have a good one.
0: <laughs> well, I'm old. So I remember going to... um the there was so so in the hub where stages and the ale house currently are situated they were two big movie houses in Kingston the Highland and I think it was the Odeon and I don't know which one I we were at but my mom's friend in 1982 or 83 so I was I don't know I would have been like 10 9 or 10 years old took me um to see Jaws 3 and 3d um, despite not telling my mother she told her that she was taking me to something family oriented but uh, she King. knew I really wanted to see <laughs> Jaws 3 um, and it was like one of the first modern films to go back to showing 3D right but it, like, the technology was very different than it is now and the theater uh, it was opening night and it was packed so imagine i I'm pretty sure it was on the stages side so imagine like the size of stages full of people in a movie theater is just one big screen. Um, and uh, and it was, it started about 40 minutes late and there was a total party. Like people went upset. They were, it was like <laughs> this magic party. They were up. There amping was like an inflatable, sh- or not an inflatable shark, but a cardboard shark cut out. <laughs> and like people could still smoke back then in the theater. So I just remember I was like a child in a party full of grownups. At nighttime. Enjoying a movie. And like it was an amazing experience once it got started and so crazy good yeah crazy in a good way yeah you know? that's yeah. a good one yeah
1: that's i wish i had a good i guess one crazy story i was living in dc for about nine months maybe like a year year or two ago and a lot i was living in an international house with um a lot of international students and none of my european friends had seen rocky horror picture show before so i took them to go see rocky horror picture show but it was also one of like the you know audience interaction Mm -hmm. had the full cast in front and this is kind of like a sad story but like maybe like 20 minutes into the movie some like underage kid barfed behind our (laughs) our row and was like creeping into our stuff so that's kind of like a crazy movie story a sad one sad for them sad well it was sad for my (laughs) german friend who had never seen rocky horror picture show trying to understand and then barf is creeping up behind her
0: well um that could have been part of the Experience. I I mean, I
1: guess it is. (laughs) If anything, that kind of sums up your picture show. It really
0: does. Actually, strange barf. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's move on to our last question. It's from Colt.
0: Hi. That's. I've got to be a fake name.
1: I hope it's real.
0: (laughs) Whoever he is, if or they, she, he, them, them. It's 2019. Them. Porn star. (laughs) Go on, Colt. And if you're
1: not a porn star now, maybe in the future, (laughs)
0: your parents have pretty much cursed you to be one. (laughs)
1: Or a cowboy. Anyways, it's true. He, they say hi, team. Loving the show, especially all the new movie recommendations that you both make. I've loved going back and watching some of the movies you both bring up. I agree with Taylor about The Crow. Finally, that's me. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> it's on a lot of my list too. What other movies? What What other movies that fly under the radar a bit? Do you recommend watching? Any hidden gems out there? Thanks.
0: Jeez, oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned it before. I the Warriors is one of my favorite. of oh, I love kinda. the
0: Warriors too. I don't
1: know. I didn't. I came of age during the '90s, yeah. so maybe in the '80s. The Warriors were, was a nope. bigger deal? No, it wasn't. It was always
0: a cult. Okay. In fact, it's bigger now than it was then.
1: No kidding. Because I think
0: the video game actually had a lot to do with its oh. success, right? Because it's a fairly recent game. And right. The whole the you know, catchphrase, the Warriors yeah. come out to play. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's always a cult film.
1: I just have know? a cool mom. That's how I know yeah. about it. But I yeah, would I say... i have a cool mom, yeah. I... I would say that's I've mentioned it before. It's on some of my like favorite lists. That would be kind of if you haven't checked out the Warriors. Do yourself a favor.
0: Well, I have a friend who um, like I I, can, I fancy myself a bit of a film buff. I I, I have a friend uh, Alex who's um, more so than me, and uh, he's introduced me to some weird stuff. Um, there's a film called The Piano Teacher with great movie. Okay, oh, so maybe it's not under the radar. I didn't no, know anything about I it. I think it is. And, it's uh, a Hanneke, right? Yeah, with yeah. Isabelle Huppert.
1: Yeah, she's Nicole's favorite actress.
0: She's a great actress, <laughs> and uh, she's coming out. Uh, she's going to be in a film with Chloe Moretz. Yeah, Sing. it was. You know, I
1: think it was at the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah,
0: it's a thriller. Yeah, but and,
1: but it's been received strangely oh, by I don't audiences. Care. The trailer
0: looks fantastic. It looks terrible, but I it's can't. A wait. It's a thriller. for it's like it's like It looks like a real melodramatic. It campaign. is. So I would, I I mean, if you haven't seen The Piano Teacher, um, don't, don't watch it with Puritans. Yeah. Don't watch it with your parents. Yeah. Um. But don't
1: research it.
0: No, just go into that. And I didn't either. I just said, he, he just said, this is a really great film. So we watched it and, uh, and, um. I wasn't shocked. It's not triggering. I mean, it was shocking, but not in the in like a, oh my god, like I need to wash my eyes out. It's um, a lot well.
1: to ruffle my feathers. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm just like eh, whatever. That's you know that's her lifestyle.
0: But it. But I think that the style of the film, which is you know very you know simplistic, almost like anything you'd see in the BBC or yeah, you know. But then some of the behaviors of of the titular character are. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it's
1: wild. It it takes you for a ride. It's. Did you know it's based on a book?
0: And you say a true story.
1: (laughs) It's written by and the author is like a recluse. She doesn't leave her house. She has the agoraphobia, and I think she's been like award. She like writes a lot, and I think you know, they've wanted to award her awards, and she just won't leave the house. So maybe that has.
0: uh, Yeah, I mean, if that's her view of human nature, it explains (laughs) a lot, eh? It would explain why you'd want (laughs) to stay. Or if that's how she would act in public, perhaps that she's protecting the the uh, the populace of France from. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's a it's an experience. I would actually recommend any Michael Haneke movie. I I'm saying his name right?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, he's a. If he listens to the show, he could I call think in. He's and,
1: Danish, and or he's one of those.
0: Yeah, I know. I thought he was Dutch, but apparently he's not. Oh, Belgium. I think he's Belgian.
1: But he's he's from. Um, a specific body of work, and it's, it's they make um, these European directors make like kind of not stark but very minimalistic. They adhere to kind of certain film roles. Um, so, if you don't watch much European cinema, I definitely say pick up a Haneke. And he does really like he looks at human stories, but obviously the humans are a little bit m-
0: messed, messed up, up in his
1: movies. But beautiful, he makes beautiful movies.
0: He's Austrian
1: oh there you go i knew it was kind of central europe
0: yeah good for you austria
1: yeah you you have good directors you rock <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for our uh fan questions but as always if you'd like to ask us a question or if you want to send us an email if you just want to chat shoot us an email at screeny in Kingston at gmail.com you can also use the hashtag hashtag in ygk on any social media platform we'll find you we'll record the note and we'll bring it up on next week's show or just find us on social media and send us a message. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you and oh, we're getting <laughs> horrible candid shot. Um Matt's taking photographs of I'm this sorry, beautiful I, I experience.
0: I was just I was distracting you.
1: <laughs> so anyways, but that's a good segue because now it's all about you. We're the next segment of the show. We're going to do well, look um, out. a little bit of a, a a little bit of an interview because you are the executive director of Real Out, and I hear it's a big year for the film festival.
0: Well, yes, we are entering into our twentieth year uh, here in Kingston the Real out queer film and video festival or i would say that it's not we don't call it that anymore we do a lot of videos
1: <laughs> vhs <beta>. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> we actually well yeah i'm getting ahead of myself but yes yeah, it's it's, uh, it's 20 years it's been 20 years since um in 1999 there was a there was a test screening um uh from uh, a group of students here at queen's uh that uh, worked and volunteered for the Kingston Ontario Public Interest Research Group which was out of the Grey House next to Vic Hall and uh they the Operg which still exists um they um run a lot of like joint projects and um uh initiatives uh that sort of raise awareness and and uh sort of fight back against general effery <laughs> Patriarchal BS. Um and anti racism and so oppression. Shocked. I know, right? <laughs> um so so this was way back, you know, we didn't have same sex marriage and you know, people were still being harassed daily and it was okay and you could be fired for for uh for who you choose to uh be with. Be with. And uh so so this project was let's let's marry the uh activism and and art form of filmmaking. And we're going to try and do this mini film festival Mm -hmm. uh, over uh, a Friday and Saturday night at the local gay bar. And there was a local gay bar back then. No kidding. Yep. It was called club four seven seven. It was at four seven seven princess street, (laughs) which is a bicycle (laughs) store. Uh, And it was a CD bar. Uh, It had like a little seating area. Uh, And then there was a dance floor in the back, very small. Um, And, uh, but they packed, uh, that dance floor with people i think it was pay what you can and people came out that normally didn't even go to the gay bar uh to see themselves represented on any screen right. you know and it was just, i think it was a sheet even you know it was <laughs> very low yeah low like key. yeah very well yeah no or budget DIY. yeah no budget i don't even think they paid artist fees at the time i think it was uh it was sort of like they kind of borrowed some of these indie films and just to get an idea of whether or not project like that would fly
1: and if there was interest
0: yeah and clearly there was and they packed out they packed uh the, the the dance floor uh both nights and so the following year um at the screening room the first reel out happened over three days unreal eh yeah
1: Were you involved in way back in
0: 1999? I went. No, I attended it. Uh, I attended the first night, and uh, I saw films. I saw the one I remember the most was called "A Kiss in the Snow." It was like a 20-minute short film from um, I want to say Sweden, or it might be Norway. Um, But the director's name is Frank. I want to say Norwald's, and I, I apologize if I'm, I'm not remembering right, but the film I remember, and uh, it was this beautiful sort of dogma-style film about two young high school boys who, you know, meet, and then they have share this kiss in the snow.
1: Oh, pretty. And
0: I, was, I, had, ever ne- I had never seen anything like that. Like, this is, this is just, like, like, we're not, it's not pre-internet, but it's definitely. On the cusp. Yeah, like, I don't think YouTube was around. I don't know when no. YouTube started. Maybe but even, like, like,
1: 99, or, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, like, it,
0: it was, was, it wasn't, we, you weren't exposed to this There sort was no such thing as,
1: like, viral media.
0: No, no, and there was no such thing as, like, Will and Grace. Yeah. Like, you know, like, the representation of LGBT characters was zero, and if you, they, it did exist, it was, like, the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs. Or yeah, actually the serial stereotype- killer in anything, <laughs> very pretty
1: Very stereotypical much. kind of
0: Stereotypical. Stock. You know, the lesbians would all be, um, you know, predatory or yeah. creepy. And the, the trans characters would also be criminals. Criminals, And the gay people would either be villains or uh, just sissies. Yeah. You know, and, and there's something to be said for the sissy. You know, sissies are fun. Um, but when that's the only thing that there's you're getting. More... Yeah.
1: More range in terms of humans and things, right? That's so right. There's not just one queer experience. That's right. And they were kind of just showing the...
0: It's what they could get cutter. away with. Yeah. Right? There was, you know, very strict rules in place in Hollywood, especially where you could not depict homosexuals. You couldn't even say the word homosexual. You had to sort of guise it as something else. Yeah. Um, and then as a you know, as... Uh, so I came out on in... Uh, and during the, the second year... Uh, And I just said, how can I help? I don't know anything about running a film festival. And um, Marty McDermott, who was one of the um, pioneers of the the festival, said, well, neither do we. (laughs) We're learning. (laughs) Exactly. Um, That's kind of cool.
1: So how would you compare the film festival now? Like 20 years later, what Mm. is for someone who's maybe never been to the film festival? What could they expect in 2019?
0: Well, um as opposed to back then, I mean first uh it was kind of interesting because we decided that this year we were going to show a lot of the films that people remembered, so we had a oh, we had out. a poll that went out and said, "Name some films that you." that were memorable to you if you don't remember the movie the title you know what was what was it about and so we collected a, a lot of these films and they're now and they're all short films and mm-hmm. they're, they're 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 going to be played throughout the festival that's cool yeah and um a lot of them we found were memorable because they were very sexually explicit <laughs> um and uh i i can vouch for that like some of my favorite ones were not favorite necessarily, but like memorable. My most memorable ones were ones where I was like, I've never seen that before. And especially in a crowded theater full of people, um, this is quite interesting. So we hope to recreate that situation for a lot of young people who uh whose only exposure to queer media is uh RuPaul's drag race yeah. or, or Will and Grace. Um but obviously like the length of the festival is a lot longer. It used to be three days and now this year uh, for this year only, it's fifteen days. Um, and um,
1: is it because it's the twentieth anniversary? Yeah. Like you're
0: going big. We, we had so many submissions this year, um, and they come from all over the world. So all of the films are are chosen by a group, like a, a like a local residents of Kingston, They're, or you know Queen students, St Lawrence students, uh, all different ages, um, abilities, and uh, race, and gender. Um, and just sort of a reflection of the audience itself. Um, and from, uh, I think we had 300 submissions, uh, we've chosen, I think, 116, 119 wow. films. And that closes short films. But it's, it's uh, and 14 different countries are represented this year.
1: Is there feature-length films? There's
0: there's feature-length narratives, feature-length docs, short docs, and really short, cool. short narratives. Very neat. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So just... You know, we're talking about all these different kind of film, documentary, short, narrative, blah, blah, blah. How would you classify an LQBT? That's a wrong adjective. (laughs) How about you give me the full adjective? There's too many Qs in there.
0: (laughs) Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's there's lesbian, gay, trans, lesbian, gay, gay, bisexual, trans. uh, Then there's, you've got queer, questioning intersex, asexual, uh, uh, two-spirit, asexual, pansexual, um, I mean, there's just so many. So
1: given this wide breadth of, you know, different sexual identities or, Mm -hmm. you know, questioning, what have you, how how do you define it? How do you define a movie that kind of fits into that, I'll say queer as kind of like a catch-all, but, you know, kind of a queer film, what... What makes it? Is it the characters? Is it the, the story? You, you tell me.
0: Well, I mean, personally, I think it's, like, it's either like authored by a queer person that may not necessarily uh, be about queer lives. Like, if you watched a film, you may not even know it's queer. Right. But the, but the, the writer, the filmmaker is queer, and they bring their own sensibility to that, um, or that aesthetic. And, um, in fact, there is a film... Uh, called Splinters uh, by Tom Fitzgerald, uh, which is playing during the festival. And if you were to come off the street and not know you're going to a queer film festival, you wouldn't define it as a queer film. Um, the main character, uh, she, you know, she's she's uh, coming back to her small town uh, to uh, the family homestead, and she's come out. To, she's already come out to her family, but she's now currently see- seeing a guy. Okay. So she and she identifies, I believe, as as pan, and uh, and so it's you know there's no same sex romance or whatever in the film at all. But the filmmaker is queer, Hmm. and there's little touches where of of like oh I can see where the filmmaker is queer in this. And um, but the festival sort of sees it as like it it has in some way it it involves depicting the lives fictional or or real of of lgbt uh, lights around the world mm-hmm. um and what makes a film i think uh really queer is if it's um at least um sexual for as far as involving sexuality is that it's just like unfiltered um and uncensored so okay. you know the, the the camera doesn't pull away after the first 2 seconds of a kiss Or or like like, obscure, yeah, (laughs) yeah, like it's like Vaseline (laughs) lensed, you know, sort of thing, and and it's fun to see a queer film with a queer audience. Um, The one of the things that I thought was really cool when I first started going to to queer film festivals is that queer audiences laugh at things that straight audiences wouldn't laugh at or be afraid to laugh at. Humor, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because we we identify. Um, with certain things that um, that heterosexual audiences don't necessarily identify yeah. with, and so it 's kind of neat to like everyone laughs at these obscure jokes or references um, and, and, uh, and it 's okay to laugh at you know. well
1: it 's almost like a, you know the c- communities have culture right it, would yeah. you agree yeah. would you agree so? Oh, yeah. um, you know running in the same circles, you have inside jokes or cultural connotations that yeah, they normally wouldn't get yeah. yeah. That's yeah. interesting
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and it's come a long way. I mean we do have um, the the festival is organized by but you know with the exception of myself it's it's run it's staffed by uh queen students uh, we don't obviously don't hire based on sexuality or mm-hmm. gender we don't ask that question um but I do know that like uh present day to you know the past few years like we have uh a lot of straight uh cis so meaning not trans um, people running the festival, uh, and a lot that are going to the festival. And, um, that's, that is intentional. We, you know, the festival is there to make uh, a community feel represented and to be put in the spotlight and to, you know, um, uh, champion the profile and the visibility of the queer community, but also it builds bridges and it actually educates the larger community. Um, and, um, and I think it's a great thing that we have so many straight identifying cis people coming to the festival and enjoying the films and learning a little bit about queer cinema. And... Yeah.
1: Our um, our listeners love recommendations, as you know, from Cult. If you could recommend either, you know, past or present or future movies that are coming to the, the um, festival, if you could kind of give us just like a best of, like if you mm-hmm. were like, these are the essential queer films you need to see. In order to kind of be familiar with the genre, but also in order to kind of have the best representation representation of stories, mm. can you can you? It's, I'm putting you on the spot, mm-hmm. but we love our recommendations on this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I like it is such a diverse uh, lineup of films. I would first of all ask the person what kind of genre they like. I mm-hmm. mean, I personally like horror, so uh, we're showing a, a film called Killer Unicorn. <laughs>
1: great
0: title yeah and it's uh it's very campy uh it's was made in brooklyn with all brooklyn talent um for like no money uh and uh it's a, it's a sort of a love homage or whatever to uh the slasher films of the 80s and uh and it's it's basically about a a buffed uh, a buff man in a unicorn mask going around killing dry queens <laughs> that have wronged him in the past and um it's you know I shouldn't that, laugh no it's, fu- it's it, no, you have to laugh <laughs> because it's it's funny i mean there's there were programmers that were hesitant to mm. about showing it um you know because of violence know, towards violence towards the community you know, we've got stuff happening right now in Toronto yeah. and everything else but um i mean it's it's it is an escape. And it's if you not can't laugh, you cry, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's grounded; it's not grounded in any sort of reality whatsoever. Um, another film that's just pure fun is uh, we're showing the world premiere of Steam Room Stories, the movie um, that stars former uh, porn uh, porn actress Tracy Lords. Um, she's
1: back. She's eh?
0: back. She's <laughs> playing the villain uh, in this one, and it's actually based on a web series. Uh, with a bunch of guys hot guys in towels sitting in a steam room talking about different uh, political topics Um, and uh, they decided it'd be funny to make a feature length film that has to do with finding the fountain of youth underneath the gym where they sit in the steam room and it's being shown in scratch and sniff um, technology (laughs) quote unquote for better or for worse (laughs) so you will get a scratch and sniff card and it'll tell you when to scratch each number that shows Mm. up on the screen and uh That smell will correspond with what you're seeing on the screen. (laughs) But on the other end, we have documentaries. Like, we have a a documentary called Shakedown uh, that is actually um, sponsored by CFRC. Oh, great. And it is a film about the uh, longest-running lesbian African-American strip club. In the states, it's very uh,
1: specific. Very
0: specific, <laughs> and uh, obviously, uh, if we were marketing just for re- like who the film was about, we wouldn't get a big turnout. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's actually a really interesting look at race and uh, gender. Sounds like uh, a really
1: interesting kind of slice of life, you know? Very it much is, so because it is a specific. That's what I like about documentaries: being able to zero in on a very specific social segment and so
0: yeah and it's also it's like we don't then it's another example of why real is so great is because your exposure to you know say lesbians in in the media is uh, I mean you've got Ellen DeGeneres who is you know a very wealthy white woman uh, and it is not really all that relatable or you no. have like going back a few years, but still popular, you know, you've got the L word.
1: Mm-hmm. And again,
0: they're all very successful, upperly mobile, mainly white women. And so to see uh, a s- successful uh, black queer women, uh, sex workers
1: living on their terms,
0: living, doing it on their own terms and and thoroughly enjoying themselves oh, is fantastic to see um, and then, uh, you know, when we have documentaries about, you know, we've got a biopic on Terrence McNally, who who wrote Frankie and Johnny and a bazillion other Broadway shows. Um, you know, we've got a whole, our opening gala is dedicated to local films that were made here in Kingston or about Kingstonians from 1995 to present day. Uh, we've got an animated feature um, about, uh, from Clyde Peterson, who uh, is a um, trans- filmmaker animator musician uh who lives out of san francisco he's coming uh to present tori pines and do an animation workshop afterwards oh, cool. so like there's so much happening and then of course there's even things that aren't film related right so we've got um the, the boylesque group from toronto they're an all-male uh burlesque Uh, comedy group they're playing at the mansion uh, in a show called uh, A Brief's History of Time and uh, uh, one of my favorite people in the Hawaii world Kay Kenny uh, she's involved with Movement Market Collective and they're a group of women and uh, they are going to uh, produce something called Coats of Her and it's um, dance reactions to uh, queer dance short films and then so there'll be a short film and then there'll be a dance after that film and then another short film and then another dance.
1: And the dances are responding to, to, to those
0: the film. shorts, yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's that's something that i like I really wanted to see happen this year was right. to involve uh different disciplines of art to yeah. to the twentieth anniversary and to keep it going. Um and then um Aaron Ball, who is a circus uh artist, I saw her perform this particular act um last summer in the malting tower at the Tet Center where she uh where she suspended herself from the ceiling from silks and did this amazing um performance of beauty and strength. That
1: aerial acrobatics yeah. I think that's what
0: that yeah. discipline's Silk, called. Silk silks Silk. it's something to do with silks silks artist silk's performance. I mean she does it all. Um so I I was grateful that she asked if we could do that if she would come back and do that in the same space for the opening gala. Wow! Next Friday, Amazing. the first. Yeah, she's gonna do that.
1: So um, we've talked a lot. Uh, talked a lot. Obviously, um, visitors and view, guests of the the <laughs> festival have a lot to see and a lot to get involved with. Hmm. Um, tell us when it is.
0: So it starts Friday, February first. 2019 and runs until february 14th so valentine's day is the closing gala romantic yeah take your date that's when steam room stories the movie is playing so it's so romantic <laughs> get you in the mood yeah so go out and smell <laughs> some stuff together and
1: how can you get tickets then you is can
0: that... yeah if you can go to reelout.com tickets um you can go to ticketscene.ca and just type in "real out and uh all the different shows will come up individual tickets are twelve dollars or ten dollars for students seniors or the screening room members um except for the opening gala uh which is twenty dollars just a flat rate because uh, things are a little bit more costly um
1: i'm sure and- there'll be odors or something
0: there are, yes, yes, be, yes, there actually will be desserts <laughs> from Panchancho. Show. There you go. Um, Hence the cost. And and also all that live entertainment. Yes. Um, and, uh Or you can just buy a festival pass and go to see everything with that for $80.
1: That seems like a steal to me, considering everything that's.
0: It's a steal. Being it's covered. usually $120, but we thought we'd reduce the price so that more people could come.
1: For the see everything yeah beautiful yeah that's great so now we're gonna move on a little bit switch gears and we're gonna talk about if beale street could talk you we were talking before the show you've seen it i did did you see it at the screening room this past weekend
0: i sure did yeah
1: me too <laughs> <laughs> and it was i went on one of the cold like what i think it was the saturday it had already started getting really cold and it was pretty much full People yeah. were still heading out to the, the cinema despite the weather.
0: Me too. I saw it the Friday night and it was, Packed? I would say, yeah, 75% full.
1: Yeah. So what yeah. what are your initial thoughts? So this is for listeners who aren't familiar with this film. This is the director of Moonlight. This is his kind of second. Well, he's made films before Moonlight, but this is his next big one after Moonlight. Yeah. This
0: is the, like expectations. Yeah. The bar has been set. Yeah. Now. Yeah.
1: People wanted to see if he could follow it up.
0: Yeah. So- um, well, I saw, um, I'm Not Your Negro. I think is that what it's called?
1: Be- beautiful documentary about yeah. James Baldwin. Yeah. I think it is called I'm Not Your Negro. Yeah,
0: I'm Not Your Negro. I saw that last year at the screening room, and so that was my highly recommend. Yeah. I, oh, God. Was, yes, absolutely. And it was really my first experience with James Baldwin. Mine too. And I didn't, it doesn't really go into his sexuality all that much. Uh, Um, so I learned a little bit more about him and Giovanni's room and all this stuff. So, so I wasn't familiar with the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I went in sort of blind knowing that this was just Barry Jenkins film. Moonlight was my favorite film last year. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite films ever. Uh, it's just, I love, I love the look of it. I love the, the poetry of it. Um, so, um, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed, Uh, really yeah I was uh I've
1: never seen Moonlight oh so I went in blind okay I had no expectations
0: I think um I loved the cinematography I loved the, the score um the score was just so important to the film and and I think it did get an Oscar nomination so uh and rightfully so um I loved the performances, I loved the direction, but I also didn't... The thing I re, that really sort of, like, uh, kind of bummed me out a little bit was the pacing. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people that saw Moonlight felt it was a little bit slow, and they were disappointed with the ending, and it was sort of... They would not like this film for this, mm-hmm. exactly the same reasons.
1: I feel like I haven't seen a tight movie in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to tell directors, hey, you need to hire an editor that's going to... Be willing to slash, you mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a film lover, but not a filmmaker, so I don't always know kind of the nuts and bolts that go into things. But I agree. I felt that there were certain scenes that could have been tightened up or eliminated, and it wouldn't have sacrificed the story. Yeah. Um. Like I'm specific. I'm thinking specifically. She comes back, um, from the prison, and she's sitting in, um. The her love interest's kitchen, or the you know his house, and I felt that scene went on really long, and to me that could have again just been tightened up. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I don't know. Every director has an intention, right? So
0: yeah, I mean, I don't. I haven't read up enough about like what's what was what was going through Jenkins' head when he was making the film. I mean, to me, I just sort of felt like this was an ad- adaptation. Uh, of of uh, written work, and it felt a little bit like reading,
1: <laughs> with the with the voiceover, it was, and everything. yeah,
0: and just like, these prolonged <laughs> scenes mm-hmm. of very sort of very uh, sort of beautiful aesthetics, and you could you could even sit there with a the pen and paper and write about what you're seeing in the mm-hmm. scene, even when there aren't words being said. But yeah, I mean, there was this, there's this extended scene without giving away too many spoilers, where you have uh th- this this guy who's been in prison uh comes back into the lives of this you know young couple and uh um and he there's this scene where he comes back and he and he tells basically has this monologue about how awful prison is but the whole film is an indictment about modern slavery and in, in crimin- er, or criminalizing and, and locking up these Young black men in America. I mean, like the whole film is about that. So I feel you like it was a little too on the nose, a little heavy handed, and and also it just slowed the film. It detracted yeah. from the main story, which is this love story. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Despite odds, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of the <laughs> the, gist yeah. of the movie. I
0: guess I guess we yeah I guess we didn't really tell listeners what it was about. We d-
1: we are a spoil free show. Oh, okay, but um, it's I think the opening scene she's uh, they're in the prison. So essentially, all you need to know the movie's about a young couple, and the the boy, the, the yeah. man of the couple, is, has been incarcerated. Um, and so the movie is about their relationship despite this incarceration. And, you know, yeah. and it takes place in early 1970s New York. Yeah. In my opinion, this is the movie you should see instead of Green Book. Okay. That's what I would say. But you have to keep in mind Green Book and this movie are made with different audiences. But I think if you liked Green Book, maybe stretch your, stretch your movie sensibilities and go see if Beale, if Beale Street could talk.
0: Personally. Yeah.
1: Because I think it addresses, you know, it's, um, Green Book takes place in the early 1960s. This takes place in the early 1970s. And I think for movies, if you want to kind of have a very serious talk about race relations in America, go see this one. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. It removes the white savior yes. from the narrative. There, in fact, I don't remember a white character in. Oh, yeah, the creepy, the cop. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and there's a creepy guy in the department store. Any oh, white person yes. in this movie is is
0: creepy. Is yeah, creepy. which is okay because it's in
1: yeah. 1970s New York. They probably were creepy.
0: Well, and they still are. I mean, we. I mean, we still are. But yeah, I mean, like it, this. Yeah, it was. It's it's definitely it's a black story and it's dealing it is but it is about how yeah it's about it's L- about modern lives. day slavery and it's lived lives in yeah and it's it, very interesting to see with again without being too spoiled, the reaction of um the protagonist's family to her predicament
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is you know a medical Are we can we just say you
1: can say again, I think, you know, in the first scene, she's pregnant,
0: right? She becomes pregnant and she's a young woman, a very young woman, uh, not doesn't have a job, um, doesn't really have an apartment. And her partner has been arrested for uh, is being accused of a rape that he was not a party to. Um, And uh, and and when she the very first scene is her telling her her family. Mm-hmm. And what you expect their reaction to be is actually a reaction of love and acceptance and and recognizing the trials, but not putting the pressure on the daughter. And right. I feel like that solidified their relationship right off the bat, that here was a solid family, mm-hmm. a husband uh, that loves his wife and, and vice versa. And a sister, uh, an older sister who is devoted to her younger sister. She and,
1: seemed like a real big sister. Yeah, that's what I feel like um we see very authentic relationships like very nuanced relationships whereas in green book to me it was you know not necessarily cookie cutter but like flat Mm -hmm. um and again that they were making a certain movie for a certain audience in a certain way um but i would ask especially because our listeners go to the screening room maybe you know broaden your horizons see both movies And compare them because they they address a lot of the same issues, um, but in very different ways. And I personally thought if Beale Street Could Talk did it more successfully. Um, My only, I really enjoyed the film. I loved the beautiful. um, There's a special name for it, but essentially the the shots, the pro like the from shoulders up, the
0: framing, yeah, the framing.
1: Loved those beautiful shots, cinematography, absolutely gorgeous. You said you loved the score. I found um, that the sound design, not necessarily the score, was really kind of grated on my nerves. Like when they were doing that kind of like ambient sound, the wah, 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 wah. Hated it. Okay. (laughs) But I kind of have, I'm kind of an old fogey and don't like experimental filmmaking. (laughs) And I even found sometimes the dialogue seemed disembodied. And I don't know if that was the sound in the theater or if it was the sound design in the actual film Hmm. um that to me like the voices seemed disjointed from the action that was on the screen at certain points um that to me was weird (laughs) but these are Hmm. just these are just very nitpicky things that I have I always kind of our listeners know I always have if it's a movie I really like I end up focusing on like really weird things because like you can't it's the only thing that's wrong with the movie right right?
0: (laughs) So. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was pacing, and like yeah. otherwise, I think it was a beautiful film, uh, and, and like a, a, I mean, I felt grateful mm-hmm. to have seen it, and like, uh, and uh, it deserves to be seen on the big screen. Um, I
1: think it's weird; it's not getting more Oscar nominations, but maybe I don't know. I who knows the politics?
0: Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's it's a little film, and I mean, it doesn't have the. You know, I don't think even though it's, you know, it's directed by the the big name, the the Oscar winner of the best film. But I think also, I mean, it's a strange story to adapt. I mean, it's really in the grand scheme of things. It's boy meets girl and crisis happens, and boy loses or, you know, girl loses boy. And, um, you know, we have a little bit of drama with the mother, uh, Regina King. Uh, who, by the way, uh, one of my favorite sitcoms growing up was 227 with Jack A. Harry and uh, Marla Gibbs, and uh, M- Regina King played her. She was the, the the family teenage daughter in that show. So it's kind of neat to see sitcom uh, sitcom actors all grown up and now nominated for an Oscar. Um, I liked things really, uh, like, when the moment, well, I think the narrative is something along the lines of uh, my mother went to Cuba. Or something like like yeah. there was a setup there, uh, and then we shoot. We cut to Regina King coming off the plane, and walking down the pier or wherever it was in her Havana clothes. And it was that that moment. Just the whole movie picked up. Like the mm-hmm. energy, everything was like, oh my god. Okay, now something's happening. Um, that whole bit with Regina King in Cuba, um, going trying to track down the woman who had accused her now son-in-law of, of rape um, was like, oh my God, like that was like a, a short film on its mm-hmm. own that was terrific and also for anyone who has been involved in sexual assaults or known anyone who's sexual assault, um, it doesn't it's not black and white uh, and it doesn't yeah. t- it's not a tidy narrative as it sh- as it should, shouldn't be um, with this, you know, trying to track down this woman to try to get her to to admit that this guy isn't the right guy.
1: I think also the um, portrayal of incarceration was very nuanced. You see there's like a scene where he kind of, he loses his cool in yeah. front of her. And I think I work with families that um, have an incarcerated loved one. And I think mm. they did a beautiful job of showing that that journey of incarceration. That mm. And again, it's not black and white. It just was, I think... It was just so authentic, whereas the green book was like, oh, this is like a fun kind of fun zany car movie, whereas this (laughs) one's like this is you're giving me meaty characters and it's real people doing real things and trying to work through it.
0: So, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that they didn't actually depict uh, we never got to see his life in the prison. Like it was always from her point of view, so it was from her side of the glass. Yeah. so we, we, you know, there's a couple times when she'd come to visit him and he'd have a you know a black eye or that sort of thing, but and they we never, never explain it. No, he never we never get to see what he, trials he goes through, uh, and we don't actually see anything of that prison until the end, mm-hmm. and, and that's in a sort of a mutual room as well. Like, so it's kind of interesting to, to keep it from her perspective.
1: I thought it was a good narrative choice
0: yeah as a way of isolating the two Mm -hmm. two stories right that we're not going to be privileged to this his story either we only get to see we only get to see him in present time when she does and only in the ecology of how she sees him and
1: you know she says a beautiful line saying i've never seen Fawny in his world like i've only ever she says it right in the movie like um it's like on one of their dates and she's like holding his hand and she's like, this is the first time I've seen Fawny in his world. Now he's in like, now we're in a kind of a shared world. So right. it's, that's an interesting, hmm. it's mirrored in the film later how we only see it because we don't see Fonny's world, right?
0: Yeah, and she even says to the white lawyer um, to stop, or oh, no, the sister says to the to the lawyer, stop calling him by what his Christian name was. I can't remember Alfonso? what it was. Alfonso? Yeah, yeah. I think. But call him fawny. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to be part of our world. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be part of our community for this to work, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of neat, too.
1: I just, overall, we always um, we yeah. always say uh, screen it, or, sorry, see it, stream it, skip it. What would you say? Oh, see it. Yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah, absolutely see it. Um, and I really hope that Regina King gets her Oscar for uh, best supporting actress, she
1: played the the young mom. girl's mom, right? Not yeah. Fawnie's mom.
0: Yeah, no, the the yeah uh, the one that goes to Cuba.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. she yeah. that was a beautiful performance.
0: Yes, yeah, she's and uh, and if you like Regina King, I recommend the '90s very '90s film uh, starring Janet Jackson, Poetic Justice.
1: Oh, is there dancing?
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's John Singleton right after uh, Boys in the Jump Boys in the Hood, and it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that's great. It's a see it from both of us. Definitely go. Um, It's because there's a little bit of Oscar buzz about it. There's definitely going to be, um, I assume it'll be at the screening room for a little bit while longer. So see it when you can. Um, Now we're to our last segment. This is going to be exciting for both of us. A, I have to work the mics. And B, um, you get to hear not a great plan. So this is this is a good segment.
0: Okay. awesome. Do you
1: are you familiar at all with this?
0: Well, uh, if I said, yeah, sure, <laughs> will I be tested on my life? No, line? no test.
1: Essentially, we're just going to go over the movie headlines. Okay. For the, the last week. So, when we're ready, we're going to go ahead and do it. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener. Not a great plan let's do a head count here your brother, the demigod a super soldier, a living legend who kind of lives up to the legend a man with breathtaking anger management issues a couple of master assassins and you, big fella you've managed to piss off every single one of them that was the plan not a great plan That's right, It's Not a Great Plan, where we take a look at headlines in current
0: movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline.
1: Ernie Hudson seems confident the original Ghostbusters will reunite in third film. Not a great plan. All right, so this is where we now talk about the headline.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay, all right.
1: <laughs> so um, this is a little bit, there's a lot of controversy around this new Ghostbusters film, the mm-hmm. the third sequel, mm-hmm. um, especially because in some of the rhetoric, they kind of say, this is the movie makers. Like, this This is going to be um, for the fans. So <laughs> all of the women who are in the Ghostbusters revival in in 2016 feel a little put out. Mm-hmm. Um Also, do we need a third Ghostbuster film, you know?
0: I mean, F you. (laughs) That's what I say. (laughs) Go F yourself. I mean, like, the last Ghostbuster movie, I was not really a fan of. I thought it was, like, I thought all the—
1: 2016 or the number
0: two? The number two was awful, too. But, in fact, I couldn't even tell you. I don't remember a thing about number two. I remember seeing the theater, and I remember being, what— um yeah number the the one the one that came out last year um so many talented people involved in that and really just almost every joke fell flat for me um i didn't think the story was all that interesting and it felt a bit gimmicky let's 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 just do an all-girl ghostbusters and yeah. it'll be funny and it's like no you still need the script <laughs> um and i and i really like his um his name isn't coming to me right now the canadian guy um, the director, writer. Uh, I like his stuff. Uh, he's Canadian. Yeah, oh. he's, I think he's from London. Huh. I, what is his name?
1: Uh, he's married to, um, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy.
0: Really? If no, we're thinking no. The same person. No, 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 no. No, no. that's Ben. Something, Ben he did he Listeners, write it
1: everyone wikipedia this when you, get, when you get home or off the air
0: what is it? no he did, what's the movie with melissa mccarthy and um
1: bridesmaids
0: sandra bullock
1: oh the heat the heat you're you're getting the full screening and kingston experience where i list facts that are probably wrong <laughs> and then mike has to scramble mike,
0: paul paul fig <laughs>
1: that's who i was thinking
0: that's that is not melissa mccarthy's husband I
1: thought that they're oh never mind he's the guy
0: he's in bridesmaids so he's the guy on the plane what's his name Ben something we have
1: to move on we have a lot of headlines but anyways yes
0: the the bottom line is go f yourselves new Ghostbusters people
1: so our next headline are you ready for this
0: yes go fuck yourself too (laughs) Oop.
1: We're a family show. Our 13-year-old friend in America. We're sorry. Um, Anne Hathaway to traumatize the hell out of a new generation of kids in Robert Zemeckis' The Witches. Not a great plan. So um, I grew up with Raul Dahl. He's pretty much the author that taught me how to read. So I'm a little bit devastated that they're making a new Witches, especially with Anne Hathaway. She's not very witchy. She's going to be... I don't know if you're familiar with the witches. I am. Okay. And you know that Angelica Houston. And she is a witch personified. She is. Flawless. Amazing. Anne Hathaway. No. Horrible. No. She's a fairy princess. She's a Disney princess, not a witch.
0: Anne Hathaway needs to be shot out of a cannon.
1: (laughs) So F you indeed.
0: Yeah, I know. I See, I (laughs) predicted that would be my response.
1: Well, that's the whole... Part of this segment is that we read bad news headlines and then comment on how stupid everyone in Hollywood
0: is. Yeah. I mean, you can remake The Witches. I mean, technology has advanced since then. Um, But not Anne Hathaway. I think
1: it's horrible casting. I don't understand. I think she plays, like, maybe a witchy person in one of those stupid Cinderella or Snow White movies. But again, like, she in no way is a witch nor does she have the kind of the presence of Angelica Houston so to like fill those shoes is crazy yeah
0: you need someone who exudes power
1: and like sexuality
0: power and sexuality yeah like use your fem- like yeah no
1: weird Anyways, that's all uh the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm
0: sorry that we had to end on Anne Hathaway.
1: I well it's always we always end the show kinda like wah wah because of the news. (laughs) Anyways, thanks so much for listening guys and go see some movies.